Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Welcome to Fresh Encounter, the radio ministry of Lifelong Anointing Church. Our mission as a church is to equip the body of Christ to increase in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and with men. We're glad that you joined us for this edition of the broadcast. It is our prayer that this broadcast will be a blessing to you. Here now is Pastor Otuno with today's message. Winning the battles of life. If you have your Bibles, please turn to the book of Job chapter 14. Job chapter 14. And we're talking about winning the battles of life. The Bible tells us in verse number one of that, of that, of that chapter, it says, man that is born of a woman is of few days and full of troubles. Man that is born of a woman is of few days and full of trouble. In other words, every man that is born into this world will have his own share of trouble. Okay? It's only in the movies that you find that a man will live a life easy without trouble. A, free, a trouble-free life is an illusion. It doesn't happen in real life. It's only in the movie. So a man that is born of a woman will have his own share of trouble. Now, how we respond to this particular set of troubles that life will throw at us, how we respond to the challenges that life gives us, will determine whether we are the winners of the world or we are the losers of the world. How we respond to these challenges will determine how far we will travel in life. How you respond to the challenges that life throws at us will determine whether you are going to be one of the people who will be able to stand on the mountaintop or whether we are one of going to be among the people who will live in the, you know, in the, in the, in the valley. The, Lord, <clears throat> the Lord's intention for his people is that they will live a life that brings him praise on the mountaintop. Okay? So how we respond to the challenges of life will determine how far we will travel in life. Now, our society is well-equipped to deal with all sorts of battles. For us, for anyone who has been, who has spent any time in the, in the States will know that the battles that we have been involved in. So we know how to fight the battles. We know how to fight physical battles. We know how to fight the emotional battles. We know how to fight psychological battles. We know how to fight even social battles. We know we have fought all sorts of battles and the nation or the society knows all, and they, they, they know how to fight those battles. And we have a lot of, a lot of resources to fight these battles. The only thing that we find is that very few of us are even conscious of the fact that there is content called spiritual battle. Very few are conscious of it. Very few even, even recognize the fact that there is a spiritual battle. Many are ill-equipped to fight that particular battle. Many don't even know of the existence of spiritual battles. Many refuse even to acknowledge spiritual battles. And for some reason, many just simply live their life as if the spiritual does not exist. And when they talk about the spiritual, they look at the spiritual as if something that belongs to the realm of the hocus pocus, you know, all those all these weird uh, people. And when you talk about spiritual battle, they look at you as if something is wrong with you, as if you are living in an alternative universe. But one thing we find in the scriptures, if you read Ephesians chapter 6, Ephesians chapter 6, reading from verse number 12, the Bible says, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood. That simply tells you that there is another dimension that is in existence. That is beyond the dimension of the physical. That is beyond the dimension of the flesh and the blood. The Bible says we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers. And if you are still confused, the Bible now defines it. It says, against rulers of darkness in this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. So you see the levels. There is a level that we fight, which is the level of the flesh and the blood, the physical. 
There is another level that talks about the level of the principalities. Then there's a level of the powers. The levels of the spirit rulers of darkness. The rulers of the spirit of spiritual wickedness in high places. There are levels in the spiritual world, just like we have levels in the physical world. And the Bible is saying that the battle that we fight... It's not just physical battles. It's not just somebody doesn't like your face and then he's doing something to war against you. He said there's a level that is higher above that. There's a level beyond that, which is in the spiritual realm. And unless you understand that, you will find that there are so many battles in your life that you cannot explain. So many things happening in our life that you cannot explain by psychology, that you cannot explain by, the med- by medical sciences, that you cannot explain by the things that you see. You will just know that something is wrong, but you cannot put your finger on it. In other words, there are other dimensions in life that Christians should be aware of. And the day you sign the dotted line that you say that, yes, I believe in Jesus, I accept Jesus Christ, you are standing right in the crosshair of the enemy. Because you have been translated. The Bible says that we have been translated from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his dear light. As such, it's either you are for the devil or you are against him. And as soon as you have chosen Lord Jesus Christ, you are already against him. So you are already involved in a battle. Okay? And that battle is spiritual in nature. But the interesting thing is that whether you believe the battle exists or not, it is in existence. It doesn't change the fact. The spiritual dimension interacts with the physical. And I've said it here for many times, that what you see in the physical, first of all, happened in the spiritual. And I've given an example in the fact that before this particular building became what it is, it existed in the mind of the architect who put it in place. The guy that designed it already had a plan and it existed in the mind. That is what I refer to as the law of double creation. Whatever you find that is existing in the physical has existed in the spirit. And that is why some people will dream. You will dream that you are eating something. Or you will dream that somebody shot you an arrow. Or you will dream that somebody shot you a gun. And then you wake up and you begin to feel the symptoms, the physical symptom. It has happened in the spirit and that's why you are seeing the physical. Jesus Christ himself said when he sent his disciples out. He said go out and present them two by two. And when they went out and they came back, they told Jesus Christ, he said, we, we, saw, you know, we saw the devils fall down. People were casting out, were casting out demons, were doing all this. Jesus Christ said, first of all, that he saw the son of man, he saw the son of man, the, 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 the prince of this world fall. In other words, Jesus Christ has won the battle for them before they went out. Unless you are able to win the spiritual battles, physical battles might be very difficult, might be very, might be impossible to win. So, in other words, this spiritual dimension, like I said, interacts with the physical. The issues of life that each of us face is not just physical, it's not just emotional, it's not just psychological, but sometimes it has spiritual nature, it has spirit, it has a spiritual element attached to it. And the interesting thing, like I said the other time, is that the fact that you do not see it does not mean it doesn't exist. The fact that you are ignorant of it does not invalidate its existence. Your refusal to acknowledge does not mean that it is not operational. And the fact that you are not engaged does not mean that the influence of the spiritual does not affect your life. I remember when I was growing up, <laughs> my father used to say something very funny to me. That it appears funny now. At that time, it, it made sense. It, it, I thought it made sense at that time, but right now, I thought well, that, was, that was the dumbest thing you can say. He would say, well... I'm not against anybody, so nobody can give against me. I said, that is, uh, it made sense at that time, but it was a dumb statement. There are people, you don't have to hate somebody before they hate you. You don't have to be involved or do evil to somebody before they hate your face. Somebody just looks at you and says, I don't like you. Somebody looks at you that you are making, that you are making progress in life and they become jealous and they just do everything possible to sabotage your efforts. There are times when you wake up in the morning and you find out you are busy at the designing how you are going to progress in life and somebody else is designing how they can pull you down. It's not because you did anything to them. Sometimes you don't even know these individuals. 
Sometimes you have not ever, ever interacted with this individual. But you find out that the fact that you are not engaged with the enemy does not mean that the enemy will not engage you. It doesn't mean that. You look at what is happening concerning the war, of terror, the war on terror. Some people might argue that it's because of what we did as a nation that is bringing all these things to war. But there are times when we are simply doing our own thing and somebody decides to strap himself and decide, come on, blow up, blow up. So the fact that you are not engaging the enemy does not mean that the enemy will not engage you. And the same thing in the spiritual world. If you leave the enemy alone, that doesn't mean that the enemy is going to leave you alone. The Bible said that the thief comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. You don't have to invite the devil for him to come into your house. You don't have to invite the thief for him to come to steal your house. All you have to do is just drive down your nice Bentley. And they look at it. He likes the Bentley. He looks at it. How many years is it going to take me to do the work to get this money? That takes too long. I'll take his own. You don't have to invite him. So the point I'm making is that the fact that you are not engaged does not mean that it's not going to be you are, that they are not going to engage or inflate your life. And the Bible tells us something very interesting in the book of Hosea chapter 4. Hosea 4 reading from verse number 6. The Bible says, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. In other words, you will become a prey in the hands of the enemy if you do not engage. The only language the enemy understands is violence. Okay? The enemy slaps your face and say, okay, oh, uh, leave me alone or oh, oh, you are doing he will keep slapping, he will keep messing you around. But before he raised up his hand, you have already slapped him. That's the way I grew up in Lagos. If you understand it, there's a place called Lagos in Nigeria. If you are if you are there's this thing we call MUMU. If you are a mumu in Lagos, they will eat your lunch. That's the place I grew up. They will eat your lunch. You have to be on we, we in, in those days when we we're going to school, we always say well, it's first attack. The man comes at you, you are the first one that rushes him on the face. Aha! He cools that he knows that you are not just one of those people he can push around. And then he talks to you with respect. But when you are behaving like a gentleman, he said, good boy. And I think I've said it here before. When a Lagosian tells you that you are a nice guy, he's simply telling you you are a fool. You know, when they say Bobo nice, he's a fool. That's the meaning. So if you meet a Nigerian and say, ah, he is a nice guy, you better think twice. That guy is... But that's a story for another day. The Bible says, Hosea chapter 4, Hosea, Hosea 4, reading from verse 6, My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. If you do not understand the operation of the enemy, if you do not understand the weapons of the enemy, if you do not understand how, they operate, how the enemy operates, you will end up being a victim. You will end up being a prey in the hands of the enemy. To win the battles of life, you must not only fight and win physically, emotionally and psychologically, you must also fight and win spiritually. Because if you don't win spiritually, you are done. The question is, what is spiritual warfare? Spiritual warfare is taking a stand against the enemy. Spiritual warfare is resisting the enemy of your soul. Spiritual warfare is taking back what the enemy has stolen from you. Spiritual warfare is doing battle with the host of hell in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Spiritual warfare is saying, I am ready to take what the Lord has promised to me. What the promise, the promise of the Almighty God, I'm ready to see it manifest. I'm ready to see it in operation. I'm ready to see it begin to take place in my life. Many of us have come to church for a very long time. We are not lazy. We are very hardworking. We are very enterprising. We have put our hands into so many things. And the promise of the scripture is that whatever we lay our hands upon to do, we prosper. We have laid hands on things. And we have not been sloppy and we have not been slothful. And yet we are not seeing the result. Is it because God does not answer prayer? Is it because we are lazy? No. Sometimes it's because the enemy has decided that it's going to take your lunch. And it is now left for you to make a decision. Will I allow the enemy to take my lunch or will I fight back? Jesus said the enemy came to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And you will not have to make up your mind. Am I going to be a victim? Am I going to be one of the people that the enemy will steal from? 
Am I going to be one of the people that the enemy will destroy? Am I going to be one of the people that the enemy will kill? Okay? You have to make up your mind. I've told you these stories here that the devils in Africa where I come from, they are very, very crude. Very crude. They will mess you up. Here, you, you, when, we, when we talk about witches, we talk about the witch of Salem, the witch of Halem, and they make movies about it, they laugh about it. In Africa, where I come from, in Nigeria, where I come from, or the area where I come from, these things are real. If you say you are a Christian, you better know what you're doing, or they are going to just mess you up. Now, when these enemies come, and they mess you up, okay? They say they are, they, they say they are, they are, they are what do you call it? Thank you very much. They say that they are, they, are, they are witches, and they use that person as a contribution in their coven. After they are finished dealing with that person, killing that person, or putting that person, or making that person invalid, they go to a crusade, or they are passing in front of a crusade. A powerful man of God preaches the gospel, the spirit of God hits that person, and they become saved. Okay? When they become saved, what happened? They have already killed you. Now they are saved. That the Bible said that whoever come upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That person is saved. If you continue to walk with the Lord, he will go to heaven. If you that has been killed does not believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, you are going to hell. So what happened? You just become a prey in the hands of the enemy. I pray you will not be a prey in the name of Jesus. And that is why you do not allow the wicked ones to mess you up. You don't allow them to mess you up. Because if they mess you up and they encounter the Lord Jesus Christ, God will save them. That's the mystery of our faith. God will deliver them. But what about you? You have just been a what? You have just been wasted. I pray the spirit of the wasters will not be upon us in Jesus' name. So you have to be able to engage and fight for yourself. You fight for yourself so that you can preserve your life and preserve the things that God has given unto you. That is why we fight. The question is, how do you know that you are involved in a spiritual battle? I'm just going to give you some broad overview. But the Lord makes you to understand that when you have the Spirit of God with you, and He will testify to let you know that you are engaged in a spiritual battle. But generally, while you know that you are involved in a spiritual battle, is number one, when you are facing an unusual temptation to sin in a way that you have never experienced it before. There are times when you just have this unusual urge, unusual affection, unusual lust, unusual things that is pursuing you, pushing you in the direction of sin. You know that the enemy is in operation. You know the enemy's operation when past temptation that you have overcome has not begun to come back into your life. You know that you are facing the spiritual battle, when spiritual fatigue and loss of desire for the things of God begin to plague your life, when you that know how to pray before, you that know how to seek the face of God before, all of a sudden you cannot open the scripture, all of a sudden you cannot longer go, out, go and pray, and pray effectively you know that the enemy is at the, is at the door how do you know that you are facing spiritual battle when there is weakness or lack of desire to call upon the name of the Lord in prayer when you begin to when you begin to fight random thoughts and random suicidal thoughts in your mind you know that the enemy is, at, is in operation when you kneel down and you want to pray and what happens all of a sudden a thought that does not belong to it that does not belong in the place of prayer begin to show up in your mind you know that you are under spiritual attack how do you know that you are fighting a spiritual battle you are fighting a spiritual battle when you see a pattern of recurring negative events in your life a pattern of negative recurring events in your life. Recurring event of failure. Recurring event of sickness. Recurring event of accident. You know that you are under spiritual. You know that you are fighting a spiritual war when you are under that particular condition. How do you know? You know when you experience unusual atmosphere of pressure. You are just in an, you are in an environment. And you feel this unusual, unusual pressure. Unusual weight. Unusual weight of discouragement. Unusual weight of condemnation. Unusual weight of opposition. When people just look at you. People you have never met before. And they just hate you. You know something else is going on. A man that you have never had any contact with before. Or people that you have never done any business with before. All of a sudden they just see you and they just gang up to hate you. You know something else is going on. It's not just physical. 
How do you know that you are under spiritual uh, you are fighting a spiritual battle? You are fighting a spiritual battle when you have this unusual fear, unusual anxiety, unusual confusion, unusual worry, unusual intimidation, where you normally go to and you are confident. What you normally do and you are very and you are very articulate. What you normally do and there is no fear. And before you know what's happening, you are going to that same environment and there is fear. There is intimidation. There is anxiety. There is unusual, you know, unusual de- uh, depressive uh, atmosphere falling upon you. You know something else is going on. And you see that in the life of children. They do very well in school. When it's time to take an exam, that's when they become panicky. That's when they can no longer concentrate. That's when they can no longer focus. That's when all sorts of distraction comes into their life. You know something else is going on. How do you know you're fighting a spiritual battle? You fight. You, you know you're fighting a spiritual battle when serious negativity and hostility it begins to show up at work, begin to show up in your home, begin to show up in your community. The people that love you before all of a sudden they start just stop loving you. The people that normally enjoy your presence become irritated when they see you. The people that normally fight and speak and speak well of you begin to be the same set of people that are warring against you or speaking negative about you. You know something else is going on. How do you know that you are fighting spiritual battle? You know when you have this oppressive and very, very violent spiritual, uh, violent dreams. In your dreams, normally when you dream, you see the visions of heaven. You see things that are true. You see the revelations of God. You see what God begins to show you. All of a sudden, you begin, you begin to see yourself now being pursued by, a, by very weird animals or weird creatures. You see yourself being shot. You see yourself being held down in the dream. You see yourself being raped in the dream. You see yourself being forced You see yourself seeing all sorts of things happening to you in the dream. You know something else is going on. Because your dream is an indication of what is happening to you in the spiritual realm. When you begin to see all sorts of funny things happening in your dream, you begin to wonder, this is a spiritual battle. How do you know when you are fighting a spiritual battle? You know when you are experiencing failure at the edge of breakthrough. When you are experiencing failure at the edge of breakthrough. I know some of you have told this story, but let me share it with you again. When I graduated college, I graduated the best student in my class in chemistry. And then I was a job that I went for a job interview. When I got to that job interview, I was invited by I was interviewed by one white guy from England at that time. When I did we did the we did interview, I was interviewed for a job of an analytical chemist. I was going to be the quality control chemist then. They took the where we did the did the did the interview and everything was going on very well. The guy told me come back on Monday and resume. In other words, I had got you had given me the job. Say come back on Monday and resume. Monday came. I didn't hear the letter. I didn't receive any call. I didn't get any letter. Then I went back in there. After I waited for about two weeks, after two weeks, I didn't hear anything. I went back to the company. It's called uh, Century Dyes and Chemicals. Yes, Century Dyes and Chemicals in Lagos. I went back to that company there. When I got to that company, I could, they, were not, they won't allow me to go in because they said I didn't have an appointment, this, this, so they sent me back. In my detector state, I was walking. It was a place called CMS in Lagos. I was standing in CMS, and then I saw a friend of mine. We went to the same school. He read education. In other words, he was supposed to be a chemistry teacher. I read applied, pure and applied chemistry. And they gave this boy, I said, where are you coming from? This guy told me, he said, he's just coming back, he's, ah, he's, he's just coming back from work. I said, where? He said, century dyes and chemicals. What are you doing there? I'm going to be the quality control chemist. I took my hands off my head. Not to disparage the guy. I knew I was, I came out the best student the same year. We graduated the same year. I came out the best student. After that incident, I asked myself, something else is going on in my life. Something else is going on. Prior to that time, I had interviewed in the top oil companies in Lagos. Mobil, Texaco, AP, at that time, African Petroleum, at that time. I 
had interviewed all those people, and all those people have asked me here, come on. Until that day, and then I woke up, I knew something was happening. And then I went, that same day, when I got back to my station, I went, I went, I went to the mountain to pray. That was when immediately I got there, I got the revelation. Somebody called me by my name, that nobody calls me, only people who are close to me. When I started praying, he said, ah, who taught you how to pray? That was the question they asked me in the dream. Call me by that name and say, who taught you how to pray? That's when I knew, yes, <coughs> there is fire on the mountain. <laughs> so the point I'm making is this. When you are experiencing failure at the edge of breakthrough, when you are experiencing what is called the near success syndrome, you know that you are under spiritual attack. And that is why I want to focus on this thing for, I don't know how the Lord will help us, but we'll begin to talk about it. Now, like I said, the unfortunate thing is that most Christians experience some of the things that have been outlined here but they explain it away. They say, well, it's just the economy. Well, it's just my health. Yeah, it's just what happens. When you drink too much water, you begin to have your tumors. They give you all sorts of reasons. They look for all sorts of excuses to explain away the spiritual. But they forget that the Bible tells us something. In First Peter chapter 4, if you start reading from verse number 8, the Bible tells you, it said, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour, whom resist steadfast in the face, knowing that the same afflictions are accompanied in your brethren, in your brethren that are in the world. In other words, the people of the world are facing the same problem. They don't know how to go about it. You that are Christian who are facing the same thing, you should be wiser. You should know better because you have access. What you have access to the spirit of the Almighty God. In other words, the devil will eat your lunch if you allow him. His agents will mess you up if you allow him. He will steal, he will kill, he will destroy everything that belongs to you if you allow him. And that is why we must fight. We must fight because we have an adversary. We must fight because our adversary, the enemy, is ready to devour. We must fight because we have been commanded to resist. The Bible tells us in that first Peter chapter 4, verse 8. He said, Be sober, be vigilant because your adversary, the enemy, is a lion walking about seeking whom you may, may devour. Verse number 8 9 says, Whom resist steadfast. In other words, the Lord is commanding you, you are supposed to fight. You are supposed to fight. That's why we should. We, we, we are commanded to fight. We fight because we do not want to be taken captive. We fight because we have no option. You cannot sit down and say, yeah, it doesn't concern me. If I don't touch you, you will not touch me. It doesn't work like that. <laughs> the question is, how do you fight to win? If you must fight, how do you fight to win? Second Corinthians chapter 10. Reading from verse number 3, the Bible tells us, Therefore we, for we, walk, for we walk in the flesh, but we do not war after the flesh. For the weapon of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty through God, to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imagination, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. How do you fight to win? Winning requires that you, requ- you, you recognize the existence of a battle. Because if you don't know that there's a battle, you will not prepare yourself to fight. So winning requires, number one, the recognition of the existence of a battle. You know that you are not exempt from the battle of life. For you to win, you must know that you are not exempt. For you to win, you must know that non-involvement is not an option. Just coming to church and say, well, uh, you know, I love you with the love of the Lord and everything. If that is the only thing you are singing in church, that is not an option. It might be good for you. There was a preacher that says that you have two options to get to heaven. You can get to heaven as a Lazarus. You can get to heaven as an Abraham. Okay? 
you will get to heaven, but you will suffer. But I don't. I have made up my mind. I'm not going to suffer anymore. Okay, the devil will no longer cheat me. But for you to fight and win, you must know that you know non-involvement is not an option. For you to fight and win, you must know that you have to equip yourself. You, for you to fight and win, you must know what you must know that you, you must know your enemy very well. You have to understand how the enemy operates. For you to fight and win, you must know how to deploy the resources that God has placed in your hands. The resource of prayer, the resource of the Spirit of the Almighty God, the resource of the Word of God, the resource of praises, the resource of thanksgiving. You must know the resources that God has placed upon your hand for you to be able to fight and win. For you to fight and win, you must know how to deploy the, you know, the, the resources, the weapon of prayer. You must know it. And that's why the, for the whole year we are focused and emphasis on prayer. Because until you are well fortified, you cannot go and fight. There's something we used to say back home in Africa. We say that until a particular boy or a man is well positioned, he never asks the death that killed his father. Because if you do, you go and ask who killed my father, and you don't have the resources, or you don't have the support, or you don't have the equipment, they will mess you up just like they messed up your father. That will not be our testimony in Jesus' name. So if you want to fight and win, you must fortify yourself by prayer. Fortify yourself by the resources that God has made available. And when you fight the battles of life, how do you fight it? You fight it, number one, prayerfully. Because it is only by prayer that you can win the battle. You fight it purposefully. Some people fight because they just want to fight. Others fight because they want to win. You fight purposefully. Number three, you fight persistently. In other words, you are not fighting today and relaxing tomorrow. Fighting today and relaxing tomorrow. You fight persistently. Number four, you fight patiently. Because the enemy is also a very patient fighter. You fight patiently. Number five, you fight intelligently. And then number six, you fight specifically. And number seven, you fight strategically. And that is why you find out that it is very easy when you are praying, you pray. The Bible says pray all sorts of prayer with thanksgiving and supplication. Let your request be made unto the Almighty God. In other words, change your strategy as you move along. Because when you start and pray the same way, the enemy knows what you are going to do. He knows how you pray. He knows when you pray. He knows what you do. So change the whole thing. Fight strategically. Then finally, in order to round this, for this particular section of this study up, who is the man that fights and wins the battle? Who is the man that fights and wins the battles of life? The man that fights and wins the battles of life is a man who knows his God. The Bible says those that know their God, they shall be strong. And they will do exploits. The man who will fight and win the battles of life must be a man that knows his God. You cannot go out there to challenge the devil when you have no clue who your God is. That's why the Bible tells us about the sons of Sceva. They had no relationship with the Almighty God. And yet they wanted to cast out devil. They wanted to fight a spiritual battle when they have no spiritual equipment. They are not even know they are God. And the devil now told him, he said, said, Jesus I know, Paul I know, who are you? Gave them the beating of their life. So the man who will fight or the woman who will fight the battles of life and win is a man or a woman who knows his God. Number two is a man or a woman who knows his enemy. The Bible says that we are not ignorant of the devices of the enemy. In other words, we are not ignorant of how the enemy operates. If you are ignorant of how the enemy operates, the enemy will come at you and you will have no way to answer. So you must know your God, know your enemy, and know the resources that God has made available to you. The Bible says that he has equipped us. See, you are filled up. That's why he talks about the armors of the, 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 the armor, the spiritual armors, what I talked about in Ephesians chapter 6. 
the breastplate of righteousness, the sword of the spirit, the shield of faith. Or you must be, you must know your resources because unless you know your resources, you will not be able to deploy them properly. And not every resource is good for every season. There are resources that only can be can be employed when you are in discouragement. The best way to get out of them is not to bind the devil. The best way to get out of discouragement is to praise the name. You praise your way out of it. So you must understand your resources. Number four, you must know your enemy strategy. Number five, you must watch and pray. Number six, you must be sensitive to the leading of the Holy Spirit. Because the Spirit knows the things, deeper things that you do not know. And finally, you must not give the enemy a foothold in your life. Battles persist in the life of Christians because they keep opening the door. They keep opening the door. And as you keep opening the door, the enemy keeps coming in. What do I mean by opening of the door? You keep putting your hands into sin. You keep putting your hands into things. You keep positioning yourself in a compromising position. You keep doing the things that allows the enemy to have the upper hand over your life. A man or a woman who will fight and win the spiritual battles must be a man or woman who does not give a foothold to the enemy in his life. In other words, he lives a life of holiness. Thank you very much for listening to our program today. We invite you to join us every Sunday at 10 a.m. for our Sunday worship service at 2711 Murfreesboro Road in Antioch, Tennessee. We also host Bible study and prayer meetings every Friday at 7 p.m. Visit us online at www.lifelonganointing.com and on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. Join us next time for another edition of Fresh Encounter. On behalf of Lifelong Anointing Church, we thank you for listening. Mm-hmm.